for Monday, April 27th, 2009. It's the Overthinking It Podcast, episode 43. Just so, movies. Welcome to the Overthinking It Podcast, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. I'm your host, Matthew Rather, and before I introduce our panel, let me remind you that you, you, yes you, can make your voice heard on the podcast by emailing your thoughts, whether they be rants or raves, or like (laughs) totally vicious flames, like, oh my god. Uh, to podcast at overthinkingit.com or call in and leave your thoughts on a voicemail to be played back on the podcast. The number for that is 20EATLOG01. That's 203-285-6401. Make sure to leave your name uh, or clever internet pseudonym and tell us where you're calling from because I'm interested in things like that. I'm a people person, really. Everyone who knows me says that that's the case. Uh, And now to introduce our panel with our question of the week. In a world where all hope is lost at a time of gradually rising tensions only one man can what? Peter Fenzel, what can only one man do? P. Diddy's personal assistance. <laughs> now, that's, a, that's a reality show, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's totally coming up. I think it's uh, happening soon. I saw an advertisement for, for applying for that today, where it was like, you have to have a whatever-it-takes attitude. It was like all in capital letters. Do you have a whatever-it-takes like, attitude? Um, I guess there's only one way to find out, which is to be P. Diddy's personal assistant. I mean, that sounds like a pretty sweet gig, honestly. And uh, the economy being what it is, you can't let any job opportunity pass you by. I mean, this was on a legitimate job board as if it were an actual job that you could apply for. I mean, I suppose it is. But uh, yeah, at any rate, Wait, like, I would mo- love to like, see that movie. like Monster? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was on like Media Bistro or something like that. Wow. So what if I, what oh, my I thought it was a reality show. It is, but oh, you can apply a, to the job reality show. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. And they're yeah, doing yeah. the things. Why are you surfing the job sites? Oh, no, no. Someone sent me this link. Oh, okay. I'm it was... not surfing the job sites. I love my job, and I would never want to walk away from it ever. Never going to get it. Never going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Good to have you on the podcast. Mark Lee. Only one man can operate heavy machinery while on allergy medication. <laughs> <laughs> which is a, 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 a semi-accurate description of what I'm doing right now. If you call, you know, speaking into a microphone on a computer operating heavy machinery. That's funny because heavy machinery is my name for my... Never mind. Oh, how's it going there? <laughs> I didn't say it. Clean tag. For your MacBook, right? <laughs> yeah, no, for, for my MacBook. Your- right, absolutely. <laughs> because it's so heavy, unlike the new MacBook Air, or unlike a netbook of some kind. Like the Asus EPC-1000HE. With an Intel Atom processor? Yes, an Intel Atom 1.6 gigahertz processor, 1 gigabyte of RAM, a 160 gigabyte internal hard drive. I actually, I mean, not to geek out, because this is not the podcast for that, but I really would <laughs> like one of these, uh, I really would like one of these computers. 
Really? This isn't the podcast for it? <laughs> to, to geek out about technology? We don't really do tech and gadgets. I would love to do that. but Because um, there's not enough sites on the internet doing that. Well, yeah, that's, that's the true. thing. Right? That's yeah, no, and there certainly are not enough uh, sites on the internet talking about movies and stuff. So we really, we're <laughs> cornering that niche. 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 Um, yes. That's the famous German philosopher, right? Niche. Niche. Yes. Right, yeah. Friedrich Niche Market. Uh, he said, uh, God is dead, as I recall. In a world where God is dead, only <laughs> John Parrish can. Uh, make out with a hot female scientist. <laughs> so. I would watch that movie and then criticize it. <laughs> what we do is not criticize. We just kind of tease out the implications. That female well, scientist wasn't nearly believable enough. I mean, I didn't see her, her post-grad work. <laughs> there was no peer review in that movie at all. There were just tank tops and boobs. <laughs> it's funny because post-grad work is a name for her... Yo, hey, how's it going? <laughs> hey, Thank you. Sorry, Pete, I yeah. thought you were a little... Yeah, I thought you were going to be uh, right on that. I, I was busy writing a job application for P. Diddy. So <laughs> <laughs> he wants a guy like me to walk into the room and really really set things set things straight for everybody. Here's a, I mean, here's a question. And you, anyone who has a job who doesn't want to piss their employers off, don't answer it, which I guess is all three of you. But um, <laughs> what would be your... What would be your asking price? You know, what would be the thing, the job description or the salary that would or the, you know, perquisites or some aspect of the job that would make you drop everything, walk away from what you have and go do the new thing? Who? That's a tough question. Does it involve the words Bon Jovi anywhere? <laughs> well, there you go. I think we have your answer. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Preferably also the word roadie. <laughs> roadie? Yeah, so, cuz I'm 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 so there. So we oh, should, we should answer, Mark and I are going to go be roadies for Bon Jovi. Or, uh, or like BFF. If Bon Jovi chose a BFF like Paris Hilton did on a reality <laughs> show, uh, and I could totally be John's BFF, I would maybe leave leave my job as a what as a freelance web consultant slash actor, which basically means unemployed. <laughs> which which basically means you're free. Yeah, right, exactly. Like, I totally... Call him, Richie jo- Sambor. Yeah, call exactly. Him. Call me. <laughs> 20 E-Log, zero one. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? If we... I don't know. I would do something pretty crazy if John Bon Jovi called 20 E-Log, zero one. So if you're listening, Mr. John Bon Jovi, uh, A, there are a number of people on this podcast who are huge fans of your work, and thank you for all that you do for humankind. Uh, and B... Uh, just name your price, and I will do it on the podcast uh, in exchange for leaving a voicemail at 20 eat log zero one. That's 203-285-6401. In a world where Matt Rather hosts the podcast, only one man can be the protagonist. <laughs> I accompany my actions with a clever tagline. Thwack. Nope. Sorry. No ensemble cast in this movie. I'm a... Uh... Do you have right. that on YouTube somewhere? Is that clip of that trailer that we made on YouTube somewhere? No, you know, I wasn't around. That, I wasn't was involved in making the, the trailer. It was some of our friends That's right. who, who were after my time uh, after my time being involved with the making of yeah. films in college uh, made that. But Is Malowski was, was involved? I don't know. She might have been. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, no, Shana might have been involved in writing that. Net so why the movie. is that we um? Why is it that we're all you know riffing on uh, big blockbuster movie taglines? What always like always trying to keep us always trying to keep us on topic. That's what I do. You know what? I make it There's something uh, with the cliche Mageddon contest that is currently online uh, at OverthinkingIt.com. And go with, there. Right? Website. Yeah. No. Yeah. Really, it's a wonderful website. A lot of really <laughs> smart people have put many hours into making it work. And me. But the, uh, you know, and Belinky's 40 inspirational speeches montage. Um, and, you know, the uh, meta the movie kind of meta trailer that we just did. Uh, it seems like we, what are we doing? Are we calling these movies out for being formulaic? Or are we suggesting that, you know, are we like Joseph Campbell suggesting that there is some kind of deep story structure undergirding all of these films? I don't know. All of the above? I'm just excited for summer movie season to start and, you know, and just this is just our way of of acknowledging it. True, yeah. I do like summer movie season. It's true. I think it's more like a whole bunch of, like, sort of religiously devout Indian people, like, gathering up their possessions to go on pilgrimage to, like, the nearby grand performance of the Bahavakita story that is uh, being performed in the given season. Uh, it's like, we're all really excited, and we're all really geared up to go do this, and it's a ritual we do every year, and that's part of what makes it exciting, you know? Um, the, the summer movies, when they roll up around, I get a little bit happier. I'm certainly more likely to go to movies. Um, it's, it's a fun time, and, it's, and I think the repetition shows is part of what we like about it. It's not just entirely critical. Uh, we don't just quote these things and, and note out the repetitions because we think that they're dumb or formulaic. It's also because we are comforted by them <laughs> and they add some order to our otherwise chaotic and meaningless lives. Right. Exactly. But, like, uh, <laughs> ru- like Rudyard, Ki- like Rud- Rudyard Kipling writing down the just so stories uh, mm. because his children wanted to hear them just so every time. Mm. And yeah. which is more, you'll be a man, my son. Oh, that's that poem, man. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, a poem, uh, speaking of which, that no one ever understands. They all think it's about, you know, I don't know, overcoming adversity. And it's not. It's about the British Empire, people. It's about <laughs> the British Empire. Anyway. It's all about the British Empire. Uh, so, summer movies, yes. Um, so we have a list of summer movies here, and we are going to preview them. That is to say, we're not going to watch them or watch the previews of them, but we're going to, without really having seen them or much knowledge of them, uh, hold forth on their relative merits and things that we think, uh, without really any basis for the claims that we will no doubt make. Sound good? (laughs) Awesome! <laughs> <laughs> That's overthink summer movies two thousand nine. If you can't, I mean, if you can't just so totally say baseless crap, what's the point of having a website? Thunder. All right. Well, uh, so honorable mentions to uh, Fast and Furious that had a boffo, you know, number one movie in America. I think two weeks, maybe three, uh, made hundreds of millions of dollars and you know all this stuff uh honorable mention to that did anyone see it no did not see it (laughs) (laughs) all right great uh and honorable mention too to uh the hannah montana movie seen it twice (laughs) (laughs) i don't believe that i saw the show 
I've seen it six times. You know, the publicity <laughs> photograph that I'm looking at of the Hannah Montana movie on this uh, website with the list. And if you Google Summer Movies 2009, you'll find the... Um... Matt, that's not her body. They just photoshopped her head onto her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, really? That's... Yeah, because it looks a lot like Billy Ray Cyrus's body. No, uh, you'll find... Uh, Google Summer Movies 2009. You'll find this list. It's on Movie Moron. Movie-moron.com. Uh, shout out to that site, which I've never, ever seen before, but, you know, provided this handy summer movie thing. And they, you know, they did it right in time. Uh, and their SEO is pretty good uh, because they're close to the top of the Google Be results. careful. Their website plays music. So if you're at work listening to it, turn the volume down right. or in a library or something. Yeah. Or do, um, you know, or do what I used to do when I had an office job and quickly copy the text out of <laughs> the browser and paste it into a Word document so that it looks like – an Excel spreadsheet would be better, but, you know, it's – it's difficult to paste a whole page into an Excel spreadsheet. Paste it into a Word document so that you can uh, uh, continue to read it without uh, anyone being the wiser. At, That's pretty clever. Yeah, at your work. Uh, because, hey, what, what are you doing in Microsoft Word if you're not working? Um, you're writing haikus, and you're writing terzarima and other devotional poetry. You're updating your resume for... Uh, uh, <laughs> for P. Diddy. Uh, for P. Diddy or John yes, Mike yes, or both yes, of them, for whichever Diddy. one happens to come by. Or, yeah. uh, or Charles in Charge. <laughs> the Return. That'd this be fun. I'd like to watch that. First Blood. Can we watch Charles in Charge Evolution? <laughs> 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 Can someone make that where it's like Charles in Charge? Was, like, wasn't wasn't Scott Bayo is 42 and single really Charles in Charge Evolution? Point taken. Point taken. Although it didn't yeah. have, uh, did it have Nicole Eggert in it? Because it doesn't have a Nicole Eggert. I don't know if it counts. I, I think she might have showed up once and then laughed at Scott Bayo and then walked away. All right, I think that sounds about right. I was yeah. gonna. I was going to make the point that this publicity photograph has like uh, it's on the beach and uh, on the backdrop of a beach and it's standing on swing sets where the kids have like hoisted themselves up onto the swings and it's four kids and Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> uh, you know, he's not standing on a swing. Yeah, Larry's wearing wearing a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, he's standing with the kids. You know, it, and is my, he standing on one swing or like straddling two swings under his his manly awesome girth? Or he's what, he's there are only on? three. There are five uh, individuals and three swings. So every other one is straddling two swings. While in the one, three, and five position, they're standing on their own swings. Uh, you know. In the uh, capri cargo capri pants or the plaid shorts, that's the dude. Or the velour yoga pants, that's Miley. Or the Hawaiian shirt with the sole patch uh, or the cargo shorts. That's that Billy Ray. Hawaiian shirt, sole patch, uh, warm-looking jeans. He needs uh, to be careful on that swing set, man, or he's going to break his achy, breaky leg. <laughs> Ba-ba. Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh, I just didn't think you yeah. were gonna understand. All right, never mind. <laughs> okay, so uh, and Watchmen also, which we have devoted countless airtime to, n- numberless minutes on this very podcast. So we'll <laughs> skip it. Uh, okay, in May, coming up this weekend, Wolverine. You mean X Men Origins Wolverine? Oh, excuse me, X Men Origins <laughs> Wolverine. I, I, I torrented that. Many weeks ago, and I've already seen it. So, did you? Did you torrent? No, I have not. I actually wanted. To, I mentioned that um, a facetiously to uh, kind of make fun of the of all the people who 
you know, kind of rushed out who just had to see it and torrent it. Um, but, uh, but also just to, um, yeah, mostly just to make fun of those people, actually. Because actually to prove, to, 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 to briefly discuss a point um, as to like why there was this, um, there was such this rush, this, this desire to be the first on the block to have seen this Wolverine movie. Mm. And it's like you want to be in this like ex- exclusive club of people who have seen this. Kind of like, uh, well, I think, I think Rather and I came out of Comic-Con thinking we were like an exclusive club. We saw like the first 18 minutes of Watchmen mm. where anyone else had yeah, I mean, do you think that's more has more to do with the desire to see Wolverine, or do you think it has more to do with the desire to sort of uh, prove yourself or like sort of declare your uh, your territory on the internets as like a sort of dominating internet presence? Like, yeah. like the, declare yourself and part of the internet that is in the know, where everyone else is not in the know. Like, whenever there's any sort of internet contest or any sort of goal that goes up that's to be held by a large, large, people, large number of people, I'm always amazed at how quickly. Countless people commit untold hours to it and just crack it immediately because there are people out there, they must associate all of their sense of either masculinity or, or personal pride in you know, winning and defeating the challenges that they come up across on the internet. People just do it because it's there, yeah. um, which is encouraging when you think about the human spirit, but also not encouraging when you think about like, the propensity of these sorts of groups to be steered in negative directions. Speaking of which, uh, visit overthinkingit.com and uh, join the Cliché Mageddon contest. <laughs> yes, you, you win. Yeah. You, 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 you have what it takes to win. I don't think you do, man. You got to make it happen. Make use of your infinite free time and come up with the cleverest term there is. <laughs> so, so let me ask you: do, Have any of you guys seen the leaked X Men or know someone who has seen it? I don't watch things that are illegal, Mark. <laughs> or, you know, well, the second part of that not was: since, you know, not since who I moved out from Blinky's house. Um, <laughs> No, no, no. Um, no, I have not watched and it. And that was mostly don't... his love life. Hey, yo! Oh, oh, sing. Oh, uh, take my wife, please. If he um, were here, he could defend himself. I know, right? That's good. I'm totally ripping on Matt because he's uh, not here and unable to defend himself. Yeah. Fair Sorry. enough. But basically, I, I don't really know how BitTorrenting technology works, nor do I feel comfortable doing it. So I, I really stay away from that sort of stuff. I actually don't even have any MP3s. I'm very low-tech when it comes to my media. Um, I think the, the quick story behind that is that when I was in college, I had Napster, and I always used to list my songs in alphabetical order because I never got much more creative than that, which meant I heard that goddamn Four Non Blondes song all the freaking time. Like, what's going on? Because <laughs> it's a four rather than an F. So it was always, I heard that song most of the time when I started listening to music. And I'm thinking the only thing that downloading music is making me do is making me listen to music I don't like. Like, why am I doing this as opposed to the music that I paid for, my CDs, which shows a much stronger vote of confidence in the fact that I like it than stuff that I downloaded for free, which I, which I have very little reason not to download, even if I don't like it. It was also a, an unfinished print of the movie, right? Missing some yeah. effect shots, and there yeah. were some screenshots on the blogs on the internet of, you know, there were even things that, like, you know, claws come out here uh, <laughs> instead of the actual, yeah. uh, you know, CGI shot that would eventually... Did any of you guys ever see Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters? No? no. Chirp, chirp, crickets. Well, that move, when that movie came out on DVD, they advertised a full 90-minute deleted movie. Um, that was also on the DVD, which is, I mean, and so it is. It's 90 minutes of deleted scenes from the movie, but the thing they neglect to mention on the DVD is that it's the unfinished cut. Right, and when you consider that Aquatine Hunger Force isn't exactly on like the peak of advanced movie technology, right? Um, 
being a cartoon that's being done largely with still images that kind of move in a minimalistic way, um, the ways in which it were unfinished were pretty extreme. Like the backgrounds weren't penciled in or there were like sketches or like other standard in proxy images for things or, you know, things would be in black and white. And most of the scenes that they deleted were, it's not a whole movie, it's the scenes from the movie that they did delete and there are about 90 minutes of it, but most of it is just really inappropriately obscene, like to the point where it isn't even funny. Um, lots of blood and guts scenes that were cut out. There's a whole plot about Carl being sodomized that they get put, cut out of the movie probably for good reason um but at any rate yeah like i've seen an unfinished cut of a movie and in that way and it's just not particularly attractive to me details matter man well, they're Detail- not all i mean they're not all like that you know some of what we saw of terminator salvation was uh at new york comic-con was unfinished and you can you know you could see the wires and some of the wire stunts mm-hmm. and sometimes there were just uh like even previs stuff where it's just very blocky basic animation of, you know, I don't know, a big blocky form against a blue background of some kind or, you know, or whatever. And, you know, it's, it's okay. Like, I mean, I guess it makes you feel in the know. This whole in the know phenomenon is something with the internets, right? Where, like, everyone is suddenly now a freaking expert on everything. Like well, us. I, <laughs> in a way, yeah. I, I think you would, you would have seen that to a limited extent in the old media as well. Like, with you know, with with critical with critical sneak previews, I'm sure there was some pecking order among you know film reviewers and book reviewers. Like, oh, you know, I got that sneak peek to you know Gone in the Wind before anyone else did, or uh, you know, like for instance, uh, Gone in the Wind. Uh, interesting enough, there's a little bit of uh, film trivia now that I mention it. Did debut uh, completely by surprise to a, a small film audience. Like the the people who were in the theater thought they were buying tickets to some other feature and then the curtain comes up and it's gone with the wind. People just flip the F out because there was so much buzz around it. You know, and Star Trek did the same thing a couple of weeks ago. I was about ago. to say, that's a good segue to the next, uh, to the next summer movie. So wait, what happened with Star Trek? They did this. They did this same thing where a bunch of fans who were who thought they were going to a uh, like a late night screening of Star Trek Six or something got to see instead the new J.J. Abrams uh, Star Trek reboot, and uh, you know apparently like just you know there wasn't a dry seat in the house. <laughs> because, because they cr- they stood up and cried and the tears <laughs> fell in the chairs. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what I was trying to get at by saying that. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, any, anyhow, my my point was that I'm I'm sure this this you know being the first to see something being in the know has been around for a while. It's just you know the internet with its democratizing effect has put that in reach of many many more millions of people. Right. Well, there's a democratizing effect, but th- it's a cheap kind of democratization. This is something I've been meaning to write about for the blog, right? Because it allows people to be very glib and very blasé about things without putting in the thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of work that usually go into making someone glib and blasé about something like movies. <laughs> uh, are, are, you, are you counting us in, in the number of these people at this no, point? No, I, I actually don't think so. Because I don't think we try to like pass ourselves off as either uh, as either entertainment industry experts or like movie production experts or something like that. But if we were, you know, if we were writing articles that like, oh yeah, God, Tom Cruise has a writer in his contract that says no blue M and M's, and isn't that you know what I mean? Like, he's had to cut his quote recently. Um, when in fact, you know, no one, none of us knows whether Tom Cruise has had to cut his quote recently. I'll right? cut his quote. Yeah, though I, <laughs> I imagine he has, considering you know, 
The no, thing- Iceman, you can be. <laughs> what? what? I just never mind. Never mind. You'll get it. Sleep on it. Sleep on it. <laughs> that's not cutting his quote, Pete. That's cutting his quotation. Yeah. For yeah, why should we should be ashamed of the things that we know, such that we should make funny voices about it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I got called pretentious on the last podcast. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I heard that was. That was I'm, a shame. I mean, I'm not pretentious. You can say I'm an asshole, but I'm not pretentious. I think I made that point on the podcast as well. <laughs> 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 Although I think I used the word arrogant, and I don't think I've referred to you specifically. <laughs> uh, yes, Star Trek, J.J. Abrams rebooted the series May 8th, 2009. Still no seatbelts on the bridge. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter because if any of the impact that hits the ship were actually to be transferred to the people inside of it, they'd be instantly converted to mist, right? <laughs> like the forces that are acting on – I mean I know there's inertial dampeners and that's how Star Trek deals with it is they say they have inertial dampeners. But it's like the, when you consider the magnitude of the forces that are acting on the Enterprise at any given moment, those inertial dampeners must be malfunctioning to such an infinitesimal degree in order to throw Captain Kirk across the bridge but not to like splatter his brains against the wall. There's there there I nerded out. I didn't that, make a funny voice. Yeah, no, that's a good that's a good point that like, you know, they must be engineered within a really precise tolerance. Yeah, I mean, I took science fiction and science fact back in college because I was hardcore about my science prerequisite. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and we had to read the physics of Star Trek, which uh, it goes into all this in detail and talks about, you know, how the acceleration on a spaceship like that would be so incredibly un- un- You needed unbearable. three math in science classes. What else did you take? Oh, I took a full – actually, I was pretty hardcore. I took a full year of multivariable calculus. So I did. Oh, that. I thought you needed. I thought you needed. Uh, I thought you oh, needed. An I, also, exper- I also took cognitive science. I took uh, like brain science. I, I learned about like the parts of the brain and the ways that they communicate and, and calculate things. I thought you needed. So, uh, yeah, uh, like a, an experimental science. Yeah, that was the thing that I took. Yeah, I, took I totally, brain. I totally oh. crapped out of my uh, math and science requirement in college. I took fractal geometry. Uh, <laughs> so uncreative. Electrical take- engineering one hundred and one, and. Let's see, E101. And, 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 and math, for, math for poets? No, uh, computer programming for poets. Oh, okay. Where we, where we were, wrote Java, which no one really writes anymore. That's a shame. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I, I just say that sort of thing. I, I don't did, know what it I means. did make a little thing in a web page that had a little animation of a cute figure that jumped up and down. Huh. Anyway, back to, back to Star Trek. <laughs> computer. <laughs> Somebody I read somewhere... Uh, some blog. It might have been a might have been a friend of mine. I forget. We're, said we're, we're uh, expert. We're oh, blog. So yes, an expert. Yes, <laughs> a film expert on on seeing the trailer said he was struck by one change, at least one thematic change, apparently between uh, the original series and the movie. Namely, that you know the original series makes the point about you know this sort of weird, I guess you know post post-imperial, you know, like every, everyone's getting along in harmony in Starfleet, and you know, it's it. I'm, I'm kind of trailing off here, but the trailer makes the point that, you know, the people who go into space who get on these starships are really you know, A, the best of the best, you know, they're, they're elites, they're, you know, far beyond the, uh, far beyond the competence of, of most normal human beings and B, they're kind of misfits 
at least in Kirk's case in particular, that, you know, they're going into space because they don't really fit in on Earth. So I thought that was, if true, that's that's an interesting direction. Well, it's kind of like, it stands to reason as far as a, a storytelling move, right? Because that's why people go into, I don't know, the military sometimes, or the merchant marine, or, you know, some kind of elite force like that, right? Well, you're, you're saying that, that oftentimes people seek out these real, these institutions that have a lot of external order because they don't fit in in the, in the uh, orders that exist already organically in their lives? Well, I got, yeah, or like within more mainstream kind of main, mainstream structures uh, in the dominant society. Right, 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 right. That's actually, I mean, n- not to get too confessional or anything, but that's one reason why I like working in the theater, right? Like, mm. uh, because it's crazy. It's like a freaking pirate ship up in this piece. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if you're at, in Las Vegas. And you yeah, no, I guess so. Then it is, it is remarkably like a pirate <laughs> ship in that eventuality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, because yeah, the first Star Trek, it was very much sort of like the Planeteers, where, you know, every Everybody was from a different country or represented a different interest, and everybody was able to work together. So in this one, it's more that they, they, they seem to focus more on what they have in common than what they have when is different about them. Although I wouldn't be surprised if in a sort of schlocky turn, that's sort of one of the big tensions, right, is that we have to figure out our differences while at the same time figuring out what makes us the same and all that uh, other stuff. Well, it wasn't so, totally – the original know. Star Trek wasn't a total utopia like that. It wasn't um, – was it Bones that was always calling Dr. Spock, what, a you green-blooded alien or something like that, right? I mean, yeah, he, it's, it's, he, it's, he basically, like, you know, Bones <laughs> was racist against the Vulcans, right? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. fair enough, fair enough. Um, but no, yeah, I, I got a bone but, to pick with Star Trek here, and I'm going to... Does anybody mind if I... I don't really sort of... I'm going to only spoil something insofar as if you know who's in the movie, something would be spoiled. You follow me so far? Wait, do you, so you know, wait, so you're going to spoil okay, so, who one of the actors in the movie is? Well, no, well, okay, it's, it's well known that Leonard Nimoy is in the movie, right? Oh, yeah. oh okay. Yeah, that yeah. is and, well known, yes. Okay, and, and he's not there just like as in a flashback kind of thing. There's actually a time travel element right. in this movie. And does this bother anyone else that they're kind of, uh, you know, they're, they're resting on that old science fiction crutch? Of time travel? No, it doesn't. It doesn't, story. and here's why. Some of the best, at least for the next generation, some of the best episodes were the time travel episodes. Like uh, yesterday's, and actually for the original series, yeah, for the, the original movies, series as well. Yeah, yeah. like Star Trek Four, cl- clearly a high point in that first six. You know, run of the first six uh, or seven Star Trek movies. Well, also, the best original Star Trek episode ever, right? Isn't that uh, the one where they go back to Nazi Germany uh, and they have sit, the city sit, on the yeah, edge yeah. of forever? Yeah, yeah, well, not Nazi Germany, but like 1920s America, I think. Oh, okay. Oh, it's different. But but, but there are Nazis involved, so yes. That, yeah, yeah, that's what I had a vague memory. But um, then then also the Borg movie, right, uh, which I think was First Contact. Okay. And, like, in a way, all the holodeck episodes where they go to, like, Sherlock Holmes or... You know. All right, so I guess maybe I don't really blame them. I think I'm I'm a little more upset at the fact that uh, we as an audience are so easily taken by time travel <laughs> stories, which so clearly defy logic. Um, mm-hmm. Yet we just eat it up anyway. It well, is. It's true that like we have at various times tried to puzzle out the implications of how different movies, like Star Trek or like Back to the Future or like Terminator, how they deal with time travel, and I think Pete put it best. A couple weeks ago, when he said, "Well, look, that way lies madness." 
Or it could have been, it, you know, it may have been Jordan when we were talking about Sarah Connor Chronicles. Yeah, that just that way lies madness. Is your objection to time travel in in movies as a rule, or just time travel as commonly depicted by Hollywood? That's a tough one. Let me get back to you. Uh, let let me right. take Mark's side for a second, because I think I have a sense of what he might be talking about. It is kind of disappointing that they're turning it to it so quickly. Right, because that, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, is that what Star Trek? It never really has a level of discomfort with time travel because Star Trek is very much about looking at this future society as a reflection of us and what does this other society mean about us? And there's always been this notion that they live a better life or what is aspirational, right? Yeah. Um, so connecting the past and the future is part of what's happening in the symbolism and the narrative structure of Star Trek, anyway. But you, the real way that it does that is by having a spaceship show. You know, it's not a time travel show like, you know, Quantum Leap, where we revisit ourselves by looking at different periods in history. It's a show in which we, we try to rediscover ourselves by looking at these spaceship people. And just like when you're writing a poem and you maybe want to establish what your metrical forms are before you start re- you know, getting away from them all over the place, maybe you want to establish a little bit that you're making a spaceship show before you, like, dive right into the fact that these people are creating temporal, you know, disturbances and things like that. Because, um, you know, they, it's, I think one thing is every spaceship show, every, like, every science fiction show, I think, eventually gets to the point where they travel to Earth, right? And it's a, yeah. I think it's a measure of the quality of the show sometimes, um, how long it takes them to, to give up on their other ideas and do that. Uh, <laughs> some of them do it right away, and some of them are able to put it off for a while. Well, The Next Generation, it was, like, four or five, season four or five, uh, with the, um, the Locutus of Borg episode, right, where they headed to Earth for a big epic showdown in Sector 001. Oh, no, when I mean headed back to Earth, I mean head back to Earth of, like, the 20th century or the present day. Like, uh, uh, like, yeah, like, oh, man, what would happen if these characters were in the world that we live in? Um, one of my favorite examples of that is from the, the television show Lex, uh, if you guys have ever watched, which is probably not really all that watchable. Uh, but uh, it's a Canadian uh, sci-fi show, I believe, about a planet-killing uh, bug spaceship that's piloted by an unlikely crew of misfits. And at one point, they travel to Earth of the present day, and there's this whole thing where um, Fidel Castro, like, they accidentally blow up Orlando. <laughs> So they make they make believe that Fidel Castro did it. So they nuke Cuba in order to convince people that like the nuking of Orlando wasn't an accident or like wasn't yeah it wasn't just an accident that was caused by the spaceship. And like there's like someone becomes the president and it gets very awkward and confusing. Maybe if you've seen Lex, leave your opinion of it in the comments because I'd love to see if I'm the only human being in the world who's ever watched this show. Um, it's a very raunchy show too, which is one of the reasons why it's probably only on on Sci-Fi at like one in the morning, which was one of the only reasons why I ever watched it because I. Or two in the morning. Let's be generous. Let's say two thirty-three in the morning, because uh, I'm pretty insomniacal. 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 Matt, you're the word. resident language dude. Is there a is there a, a real form of insomnia? Prone to. You mean like have insomnia, or like in the in a manner resembling an insomniac? Uh, in a world. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so, good. We're looking forward to it, right? We're two for two so far. Wolverine, thumbs up. I, excuse oh, yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. I X-Men Origins, Wolverine, Star Trek, uh, thumbs up. Yes? Yeah, let me say that in spite of me kind of poo-pooing it without having seen it, which I know is kind of a, a no-no given you know, some of our pre- previous discussions, uh, I'm still looking forward to seeing it, definitely. Yeah. Awesome. I, I- 
That's the theme song, right? Yeah, I wonder what they're going to use for theme music, right? <laughs> no, <it's>, <laughs> so I think it's more like, <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to mute you both. If you don't, if you don't hey, stop. No, please don't do that because I'm on too many drugs right now to make this entertainment, this podcast entertainment. <laughs> can we talk about angels and demons, please? I want to talk about angels and demons. <laughs> I'm under such heavy sedation. Yes, absolutely. Oh, uh, I was expecting you to say, No, next. <laughs> Tom, Tom Hanks, confess. Tom confess. Hanks defends the Vatican from the Illuminati, right? For, forgive me, forgive me, overthinkers, for I have sinned. I've actually read Angels and Demons. There's is no, like- there is no high low culture divide on overthinking it. It's <laughs> uh, Angels and Demons is just. Uh, we talked about this last week. You know, there is no art. <laughs> it may not be as classy as something like Terminator Salvation, but at the same time. <laughs> what is? Let's be honest. <laughs> but yeah, so what about it? Is Angels and Demons, is it a good? Is it a good book? You no, know, it was, as a, as a book, it was, it was just, it was entertainment. It absolutely works well as entertainment. You know, people really like to shit on Dan Brown's novels and how poorly they're written and how cliche they are and all these kind of things. And yes, okay, so Dan all these things are Dan Brown's true, novels but- have my shit upon their chest. <laughs> Dan Brown's novels have my no, shit. Hey, hello, how's it going? <laughs> Sorry. But the novels work, absolutely work as entertainment. I didn't see uh, the Da Vinci Code film adaptation, um, but I would at least, you know, consider the possibility of seeing angels and demons. Are there actual angels and demons in it fighting in CGI ma- battles? Uh, not in the novel, but summer <laughs> movie season, so anything goes, right? Right, fair enough, fair enough. Mark, not to get too not to get too technical nerd on you, and I, I'm typically not the kind of person who points out like engineering flaws in a novel and is like, oh, you know, this thing couldn't happen in real life because you know I, I allow some some novelistic license, but like Mossflower, yay! But isn't <laughs> isn't angels and Demons isn't angels and demons the the Dan Brown novel that starts in the first chapter with with uh, Tom Hanks' character, uh, Robert Langdon, being hustled onto a plane that flies off at Mach 15. Uh, I think that might be... The, I don't know if it's Mach 15. Well, uh, yeah, I can't quote the exact Mach at which plane <laughs> it, it's flying. It, but it's definitely it, a, a high-speed, I think, scramjet or ramjet. Or some I, sort I, of I might be making it up, but I, I, I do recall it's, it's some number of Mach that, that doesn't... That, that's not real. It it might as well be Mach thirty or half C or you know, kind of like Warp Twelve where you can't yes. really go. Past it's 10, Warp Twelve. Nine point nine 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 nine. Yeah. You know, it strikes me that people like have people looked at the Catholic Church recently. Like a lot of the times, they're really hurting for money. It's not like they have a ton of you know fancy private jets to fly their yeah. people around on. No, I don't I mean, think it's I, a Vatican jet that the guy gets on. It's like <laughs> the jet of the super awesome. Uh, Science research laboratory, which plays uh, later on into the into the story. I'm not going to spoil it because it's high drama. Spoiler alert: high drama. But yeah, the the Catholic Church is is kind of hurting for money. I mean, my my alma mater uh, bought some some land of theirs that was auctioned off recently in light of the uh, late unpleasantness. Um, but so so yeah, I mean, you you might think that given that they could they could make some money by opening up these secret Vatican ar- archives, which are apparently a major <laughs> plot point in Angels and Demons. Right? You know. Like, if why are they wasting this money on underground wars against the Illuminati? That is when they a good line. On schools that is a good uh, a good trailer line. And actually, for a good trailer, I recommend the trailer to Angels and Demons to anyone who is into good trailers. Uh, because, uh, you know, Tom Hanks says, hey, I, I need to get in the archives to look up some stuff. And they're like, 
Well, access to the archives is only by written permission from the Holy Father. And Tom Hanks says, hey, you guys called me. <laughs> that was a good line. Yeah, yeah that is funny, right? You know? <laughs> good stuff. Zing! Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's great that we live in a century where we're now some, you know, dowdy professor from wherever Robert Langdon works or teaches can, can talk back to the Vatican. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, take that, Vatican. Yeah, as opposed to, I've been watching uh, Showtime's The Tudors. Oh, yeah. Right? And sort of uh, messing with ecclesiastical power is not something you do uh, if you live in the England of Henry VIII. I was watching, I'm watching The Wire now, and that's not, you don't mess with ecclesiastical power on The Wire either, interestingly enough. Are you really watching The Wire? uh, Yeah, I'm I'm actually about five or six episodes into season four right now. Oh, wow. I've been tearing airing through it i actually i watched the wire until after the sun rose last night i started watching at two in the morning and i just watched straight through to like six or seven it'll Um, do that to you yeah yeah totally dude so yeah yeah no absolutely wow do you and so you had been a neophyte you right you had not really gotten involved in in any of the internecine overthinking it wired battles no, I'd been on the sidelines. I'd been. I had not. I was blind, but now I see. But now you're. Now you're on our side, right? That this is like perhaps the greatest work of dramatic art of the decade. Uh-huh. It's pretty freaking awesome. I'll say that much. It's no yeah. shark in Venice. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, right? It's great that when the history of our time is written, it will really just be like The Wire. Yeah. <laughs> if it's accurate. <laughs> well, right, yeah. I saw, hey, here's something else I can recommend to people. I saw uh, on PBS.com a, uh, an interview with Bill Moyers and David Simon about, oh. you know, how society is falling apart and stuff, mm-hmm. et cetera. Uh, you probably can get it on PBS.com. Uh, yes, Angels and Demons, Terminator Salvation. Mark, Mark Lee, do you, you have stole my line. Damn it, I was going to do that. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry, what was you saying, John? I was saying, Mark Lee, do you have anything to say on the subject? Ha <laughs> uh, uh, ha. fun of you. Uh, you know, what's the deal with this Terminator? Oh, Z-O-M-G, Terminator, Z-O-M-G, Terminator. Well, um, <laughs> here's the thing. Like, Arnold's in it now, right? Well, I mean, he. this supposedly is, like, you know, the the actual true official confirmation from the governor himself. That he's going to be in it. But that, his likeness, some, some, right, that his so likeness, time. which will be based on a cast uh, of him uh, that was taken when they built the original Terminator like uh, doll to go yeah. over the metal exoskeleton or parts of you know. Yeah. yeah, it was um, that they took a cast of what he looked like, or at least what his face looked like, I guess, at the time, and that this cast will be the basis for a CGI... Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger that will be in Terminator Salvation, yeah? Right. No lines of dialogue, apparently. So, unfortunately, he, he, you know, you go and hear him say, you know, I am back again. Or something <laughs> awful. For the like, first time. Uh, yeah, for the first time. Except the, the fourth time. Because yes. this is time travel. <laughs> he could speak in like the... He, he could speak in the future perfect, right? Like, Arnold Schwarzenegger back. has come unstuck in time. <laughs> you will have come with me if you va- if you will have wanted <laughs> to live. I'll be back and forth and back again. <laughs> there it is. We were we were all casting about for the joke, and Pete finally found. 
Yeah. No, there's there's one interesting thing about about Terminator Salvation that I'll say now, and then I'll probably save the rest for I don't know, like ten articles I'm going to write about Terminator coming up. Um, is speaking of you know the Wolverine you know movie being leaked and this idea of like being an exclusive in the know, there was this massive internet rumor that was circulated a few uh, months ago, which purported to have spoiled a crazy ending to Terminator Salvation, where uh, John Connor dies and the Resistance grasps his body onto a Terminator, and so that the, the John Connor essentially becomes a Terminator, um, which caused a huge amount of controversy. But it turns out, apparently, that um, that spoiler was actually correct, and that um, it was one theory is that that spoiler was actually correct, and then they went back and had to rewrite and refilm the end of the movie uh, to oh, take that wow. out. Oh, wow. So they basically unspoiled the movie. They, they, they took a new virginity pledge. They, yeah. They got their... Yeah. They unspoiled them. They unspoiled them. It, yeah. yeah, it, like, it, was, it was like cinematic labioplasty. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, uh, hello. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to see here. Move on. I have to say that that strikes me as kind of unlikely that, you know, they... They would re they would refilm the ending the, they would refilm the ending to the movie which which you know is is already a, a you know hundred million dollar project at this point and would cost you know several millions more to get everyone back in for reshoot just to you know shatter the expectations of the few let's say thousand people who follow Terminator spoilers closely enough to have known that. Yeah, maybe it wasn't a you know a reshoot, but maybe like at least a rewrite. Maybe it was like early enough along uh, that that portion of the script got leaked out. What was the time uh, like, frame of this supposed to be? Time frame in terms of like the, the acts of spoiling. Or yeah, the, no. When was when did this uh, when did this spoiler actually happen? This is a while ago. Five years uh, before the movie started being produced, it was a time. <laughs> they're like creating a time travel. Paradise. They went back to they went back to Earth and you know it spoiled their own movie, which caused them to go back to Earth. It creates a paradox. <laughs> time loop. Time loop. Time loop. Remix. <laughs> what? What? All right. Yeah. Rather than get into any other topics, I'll just kind of you know end my segment and say that I'm just. I am looking forward to this movie in case there was any doubt. We've, out there. Yeah, we've spilled some digital ink uh, over uh, over Terminator, and we will likely spill a great deal more. I just think it's going to be Rain of Fire with robots. I'm not as excited. <laughs> <laughs> Rain of well, Fire is overrated, too. They, they told us it was going to be Big Dragon War, and it was really just you know small-time dragon fights, and lots of beards and woolen sweaters. Stuff okay, like I, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not out here to, to to defend a movie that I haven't seen yet. You know, it could be awful. Isn't that exactly why you're out here, Mark? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, never mind. I come Can to I praise. Just, awesome? I, I come to praise Terminator, not to bury it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Damn it! I wish there were on so many drugs and I could defend Terminator better. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Mark. Am I hitting you when you're too tired to fight back? <laughs> Night at the Museum oh. Two: Battle of the Smithsonian. Now this is a movie that I think will be garbage. <laughs> Ting, turn, <laughs> turn the page. <laughs> I'm, I'm just being very like uh, contrarian, just for the sake of drumming up arguments. No, basically. on the internet, no. <laughs> <laughs> It's like Shane is here, and I'm arguing with her for no reason. All right. Yeah, Night of the Museum 2, Battle of Smithsonian. I think that's probably going to give children ulcers, and you should really not take your children to it, because they'll suffer from it terribly, and they'll always hate you. Yeah, I mean, what, <laughs> what, what, what ground are they going to cover in the Smithsonian that they 
didn't cover in the in the first museum movie other than oh it's different exhibits coming to life and menacing ben stiller uh, can we almost guarantee that they'll fly the wright brother plane at some point like, yeah is that is that, gonna oh, that yeah that's actually pretty Boiler. cool yeah. It, Are they going to some declaration of independence? <laughs> isn't there also some really weird artifact in the Smithsonian, like like Dillinger's hand or something, or, or Einstein's brain, or, or some weird things like that? Doesn't the Smithsonian have a couple weird things in it? You know what? This movie is like is like a remake of National Treasures 2, Book of Secrets. Oh, yeah? No, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying that. God, I'll shut up. No, 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 it's fine, it's fine. I think Ben Stiller is going to be hilarious, and he's going to kill your children, so you shouldn't go see this movie. Ding, yeah. turn the page. Up with Pixar. It, it's going to be great, because it's a Pixar movie, and, and they're great. I, yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> I don't know. This is the kind of talk that in the financial industry makes you start to be suspicious of things. It's like Pixar movies are never bad. They're always awesome. You should buy your tickets in advance. In fact, They're you should borrow return. money to buy your tickets. <laughs> <laughs> I, can I, think see, I can see no conceivable reason for Pixar films to decline in quality for at least the next 30 years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's the kind of thing where the more that we believe Pixar movies can't suck, the less of an incentive they have to actually make them good. So we should probably <laughs> hold up that it's like probably going to suck, and that way they'll continue to push themselves and make it better. Yeah, but, hold on though. Like they, you know, I don't think everything has been at the level of their greatest successes, right? But um, they make some pretty effing good movies, right? Yeah. You know, and like have a track record, just have some super talented people there and have a track record that's more consistent than, I don't know, anyone else I can think of. What's your favorite Pixar movie, Matt? Maybe The Incredibles. I haven't seen that one. Yeah, my, mine's The Incredibles as well. I think that's that's pretty consistently highest liked. It or Toy Story Two is up there as well. Mm. Mark, uh, you know, just to give something, just to give something different. Um, Ratatouille really, really struck a chord in me for some <laughs> reason. You know, it spoke to my inner vermin. <laughs> Marvelous. <laughs> Well, maybe I'll see this one, and maybe I'll be proven wrong. But until then, the fight should at least draw in more listeners, right? 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 Well, isn't there... I mean, Pete, I think the phenomenon that you're talking about is that, like, in a way, everyone's waiting for a Pixar movie to suck, you know, Mm. so that they can, like, all get all uppity. Well, I mean, if you think about what happened with the... I happen to know that all Hollywood insiders really are just waiting for them to fall. Yeah. (laughs) Is really that what that's, that everybody's like? Let's relish the moment when no, they. No, I don't know what Hollywood insiders are doing. Let's go back to where you knew what Hollywood insiders thought, because that's that's a more interesting, right? That's totally interesting live discussion. I, I have it on good authority from Steven Spielberg himself that he what? is going to urinate on the red carpet <laughs> at the opening of Pixar's Up. So. So we're just waiting for them to make their Pocahontas, basically, right? Which is the movie that (laughs) they don't have magical powers. (laughs) Right, and then someone's going to have to go off and form a scrappy little animation studio for Pixar to buy. Yeah, yeah, and the circle of life continues. It's the Wheel of Fortune. Yep. (laughs) It's It's a circle, a circle of life. (laughs) Wow, are we all drinking tonight? (laughs) (laughs) 
I, I am drinking blue Italy lemon lime sparkling water. So wow. I'm a little bit up there. Woo! He is off the chain. Off the heezy fo sheezy. Mm. I'm actually stone sober. You just like to sing. Uh, when, when the moment strikes me, yes. Moving into June. June of 2009. Uh, Future. And the hits Ooh. start coming to Fast and Furious. Uh, Land of the Lost. No. <laughs> S- skip it. Is this Good. like that TV show when we were kids, or is this like the TV show when our parents were kids? Or I don't know. Like- you know what? My summer movie list that I have in front of me doesn't have any... Uh, uh, doesn't have any listening for Land of the Lost. Oh yeah, yeah. Does it, has anyone seen or heard anything about it other than that that trailer from from the Super Bowl, which was pretty funny, I'll admit. Mm. Well, I used to watch the cartoon that went that came on when we were kids. Oh, not the cartoon, the live action show that came on when we were kids, which was sort of a post Jurassic Park thing. And I think it was based on a much older show from the seventies that you know the Slee Stacks and all that stuff. It was, um, yeah, yeah. And so this will probably be a very. I'm guessing it'll be a very loose adaptation, right? Because that's sort of the vibe that I'm getting off of it. That it's taking the property, it's trying to draw in the built-in audience, it's trying to think of it as pre-sold, and it's putting Will Ferrell in the seats to bring in that pre-sold audience. So there's not a lot of pressure to make this movie particularly good, and it's probably aiming for kids. Um, and it might be good. Who knows? You know, every once in a while, somebody just takes something that has no reason to need to be good and just like blows it out of the park, like the Exo Squad show or something. Or like Pirates of the Caribbean. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Example of that. So you never know. You never know. I like Will Ferrell a lot. I think he's awesome. And I, I don't think he can never make bad movies, but at least his bad ones are about on the level of bad John Candy movies, which makes them entirely watchable. Will Ferrell, yeah, he wasn't really the John Candy of his time on, on uh, SNL, though, right? Uh, John Candy wasn't, was he on SNL? Wasn't he back in the day? I know he was on, was he on SCTV, right? Oh. He's Maybe he was. Let me look that up. You guys talk about other stuff while I look up whether John Candy was on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> Let's move on. Taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3 uh, remake. Uh, the remake is directed by Tony Scott. Uh, it's about what? Hijacking a subway, right? Yeah, it's got Denzel Washington as the uh, kind of the, the, the subway operator guy and John Travolta as a scary terrorist. The original is is available for uh, for free on Hulu. You can watch the entire thing free, and I recommend it. It's it's an artifact of its time. It's a little dated, like you know, it's oh the seventies, so you know, civil rights are still kind of funny. But uh, but yeah, it's it's a good movie. It's got Walter Matthau and uh, Robert Shaw as the as the head train robber. John Candy, uh, uh, he hosted Saturday Night Live twice. I was damn it, I was going to tell you that. I was going to wait uh, for a moment. Uh, you totally wasted my flavor on that sorry, one, man. I guess, I guess he wasn't on it. Sorry, I thought fat, and immediately my mind went SNL. Excuse me. <laughs> I, I stand corrected. Fair enough, fair yeah. enough. Now, now, one interesting thing about um, this remake, remake is that the 70s one um, you know, is dated for another reason besides civil rights, just you know, being a, a, a recent thing. Is that you know, it really spoke to the, the chaos and general state of disrepair and unsafeness of the New York City subway system back in, at that time. Oh, yeah. We're now, um, well, we're probably heading back in that direction, given the state of the MTA's finances. Um, but for now, you know, trains have, uh, you know, no graffiti and they run reasonably, um, you know, trouble free and there's not a lot of crime on the trains like there was in the 70s. It's least. not quite accurate to say that there's no graffiti. I mean, certain lines are better than others. Oh, okay, there's, there's plenty of scratchy, but not, nothing quite approaching the complete car, you know, uh, you know, four-car mural that you used to see back in the day. Fair point. 
Yeah, no, I noticed that your avatar on a lot of places is the $103 Metro card. Oh, yeah, that's, so this is the, the totally kind of off-topic thing, but I'm something of a transit geek, uh, for lack of a better word, and I've been trying to agitate support amongst uh, New Yorkers, I don't know, and all you overthinking, all, all you overthinking listeners, um, you know, contact your representatives in Albany and tell them to, uh, you know, not be uh, irresponsible politicians and properly fund the MTA. Mm. Did we just lose our uh, our tax exempt status because I'm starting to lobby now? <laughs> we, we don't we don't pay taxes because yeah. overthinking it is a money losing proposition, not a money making one. <laughs> Something else we have in common with Wesley Snipes, who also I believe doesn't pay. Ta- oh no, they got him for that. I forgot. <laughs> no, that's, no, I'm sorry, John. That's another that's another African American actor. Wesley uh, <laughs> Snipes is not in this movie. That's Denzel Washington. <laughs> I always bet on black when I play roulette because of Wesley Snipes. So, I'm, so I'm probably is, not the it, only person. It is Denzel's not because wasn't Denzel's wasn't in this Snipes movie. Not talks, and I seen your colleague was in talks for it at some point. I'm you not, see, no, in, I'm in talks, there's another I'm, word. I'm thinking of Money Train. I apologize. <laughs> well, Wesley Snipes loves movies that have numbers in them, like Passenger 57 or Pennsylvania 1600 or U.S. Marshals. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I wanted, if that's, I wanted to have a list of the things that we have in common with Wesley Snipes, if that's one of them. The fact that we, we don't pay taxes is like the main thing that we have in common with Wesley Snipes. What are, US, what are, other- what are U.S. Marshals? They're federal law enforcement, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. Now, that's correct. And they're not the FBI, right? Are they less cool than the FBI, or are they more cool than the FBI? Well, has Tommy Lee Jones ever portrayed an FBI agent? Okay, fair point. Uh, I, w- I would say that federal marshals are less cool than Texas Rangers, who are <laughs> a. a <laughs> About on par is cool. No, Texas Rangers, are they cooler than the FBI? Well, actually, that syllogism doesn't give us anything. We can't prove anything out of that. Because uh, then we don't know whether the marshals are, this marshal service is superior or inferior to the FBI. I need to see them both in the same season of 24 at the same time to get an idea. Whichever <laughs> one says no to Jack Bauer more is the stupider and inferior one. <laughs> right, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, oh, it's, you know what the marshals are? They're the enforcement arm of the court system. So, um, so they're associated with, they're like the soldiers that are associated with the judicial branch. So, uh, and they like, um, make and sure here, that the and judges- here I thought like law enforcement was the job of the executive branch. Um, well, I mean, it's not law enforcement. It's like court security. So when they're, they, the, the marshals are the, the U.S. Marshals, the movie is a, is a sort of informal sequel to The Fugitive, where, where it has Timely Jones playing a U.S. Marshals hunting down a fugitive. And of course the marshals, are associated with the court system and the penal system, the judicial system, so they are associated with convicts and like the execution of justice, um, not necessarily the enforcement of law. Okay. Interesting. And also, they can fly with jetpacks, at least in the screenplay that I've written, called <laughs> "Up, Up, and a, Up and Away U.S. Marshals." Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, it's a working title. I'm working. Yeah, let's, work, let's workshop that title a little. Yeah, let's, let's pitch called, that around. Yeah, yeah. Justice, integrity, elevation. Levitation. I don't know. Sky Snipers twenty five twenty five. What do you what do you want from me? In a world with jetpacks. <laughs> oh 
only one man will walk to work. Weren't we promised jetpacks by the year 2000 at some point? Well, I mean, there are... Yeah, my 1985 copy of Boy's Life magazine, I think. There are jetpacks. Jet I mean, those things exist. Hey, I remember reading Disney Adventure as a child. The, uh, you know, TV Guide format uh, magazine that was published by the Walt Disney Corporation. And they promised us flying cars by, like, 1997. I was like, awesome! I'll be able to drive and get a flying car! I mean, I think we've had jetpacks since the 60s. They just, they just have no purpose. Like, there's no reason for anyone to use them because they're tremendously dangerous and expensive and they can only go a fairly short distance, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I, you I just listed three very good reasons for using them. <laughs> I want to go commute to work across the town. No, exactly. it's only two months. In style. Yeah. I think the major engineering hurdle has always been uh, designing a jetpack that would not sear off the legs of the person wearing it with the, with the exhaust. Uh, with the rocket exhaust, and I don't believe they've overcome that yet uh, conventionally. Well, there was apparently one in the Rose Parade in 2007. Uh, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page right now, which is, of course, always true. Um, but it's more of a jump belt, right? Is that, no, that's in the 50s. Aeropax. They use hydrogen peroxide. All this stuff is great. Oh, that works, it, yeah. It's about time for a Rocketeer sequel, don't you think? I that's, love the Rocketeer. That's true. How about a Rocketeer I remake? Mean, wonderful. Yeah, I could get behind that. Especially you know, if Jennifer Connelly was in it again. My uh, mm. my dad lives in the town where the Rocketeer was filmed, and they built that sort of old timey looking airplane hangar uh, there. And when they up and left town, they left the hangar uh, standing there on the airport. And now it's like a museum of flying, so you can like go right up to the Rocketeer building and go inside it. It's pretty cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, Hello, the Arab ennui. I actually read the novelization of The Rocketeer, which was a whack one because I love The Rocketeer so much. And uh, there's not a lot of movies that'll get me to read the novelization. In fact, looking back at the movies we've talked about, are there any of them that you would want to read the book version of? I mean, I it's guess not, there's not, Angels, not and Angels and Demons. demons. Yeah. Certainly not Angels and Demons, Zing. Like, would you want? I mean, the only one I might want to read would be like *Night of the Museum 2, Battle of the Smithsonian*. If it were, if it were like rated X or something, like they, they, the novelization just went in a totally different direction. It was tremendously violent, um, but it's probably be a children's book. But yeah, no, none of these sexy have, night no. at the Smithsonian. And these, yeah, these are tired, tired premises for a lot of these movies, and I don't think that they would carry uh, a book, even if they can carry a summer blockbuster. Let's push on through. Let's push on through the month of June. Year one. <laughs> are you flagging? You're losing your energy now? <laughs> Come on. Yeah, I'm you, crashing. I'm under... Lightning and crap thunder. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, I, I don't know. Stay, stay on target. Stay on target. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, my jetpack is running out of fuel here. Uh, year one. Uh, best thing about it, the cast, right? Jack Black, Michael Sarah, David Cross, and McLovin. <laughs> Sounds like a winner to me. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I think of- that they all, they all, all the reviewers have to identify that poor kid as McLovin, right? Yeah, yeah. Those I mean, guys we're, were all busy. Yes. So here's here, my observation on this: is that if this is the movie where Michael Sarah somehow is able to break free of his awkward teenager, um, you know, typecast. Then, unfortunately, it only represents a continuation of McLovin's. <laughs> yeah, go, go poor Michael Sarah making millions of dollars playing a stock character in movies. Yeah, oh, right. Oh, poor, I'm- like, poor, like, peach fuzz cheeked, you know, <laughs> baby soft skinned, you know, Michael Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't, it, wasn't it Nathaniel Hawthorne who wrote that, you know, teenage actors are always rising and falling in America? 
<laughs> really? <laughs> but no, I, he said that of families, I think. Oh, okay, okay. Well, for, to be clear, this is not a Batman Year One movie. Year One is a movie about cavemen, and Jack Black and Michael Sarah are cavemen, right? Um, and they're like cavemen the cave buddies. Was a biblical? What? Oh, well, I, let's see. Um, they're lazy. This this has them as lazy hunter gatherers. Um, they they leave their village and they set off on an epic journey through the ancient world. So, um, my I thought that they were like cavemen and they encounter other ancient cultures or something. But maybe it's more uh, biblical age stuff. Um, or maybe it sounds, yeah, it sounds kind time. of like it sounds kind of like Bill and Ted's you know ye olde excellent adventure. Well, except that they are not from the future. They're I mean, although we recognize them and recognize ourselves in them, they're from the time period, but they're <laughs> from looking in. Yeah. I think so. all stories are from the future. All stories are from the future? Yeah. Even the American Girl doll stories? In the, like right. Felicity and American Girl. <laughs> uh, that made a lot of movie money per screen, man. And it was playing in like four places. Wait, was that the was that the like Dakota Fanning one or something or Abigail Breslin or someone like that? Uh, that's entirely possible. I mean, I, for for a guy like me who has sisters, the American Girl stuff is enough of a property on its own that it doesn't need to have to be the Dakota Fanning anything. Um, but I don't know if other people are as familiar with the American Girls and what they represent. I guess so. I like that. I like that. Like a whole generation's worth of Fenzel sisters, like you know, linking arms and doing that little weird fan kick walk where they step over each other's feet uh, <laughs> together into the theater uh, to watch American Girls together. If it had come uh, out like seven years or eight years earlier, then that would have been very much an option. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen, starring Where's LaBeouf and <laughs> Megan, strong female character Fox. <laughs> Does she play a nuclear physicist in this one? Does she got got back to school? I thought <laughs> Christmas only came once a year. <laughs> da 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 da. <laughs> she oh, should oh definitely boy. be a Bond girl, right? Like that's you know. Here's the thing: How sad will it be? If all of the money that what like she, is it Chevy has pumped into the Transformers franchise goes to waste because GM can, declares bankruptcy during the opening weekend of Transformers: Revenge of the Fall, <laughs> 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 you, you joke, but um, I don't oh, know. That's any- a very real possibility. <laughs> well, well I, let's put it this way, though. I think that the amount of money that they pumped into this probably represents like uh, I don't know, like paying the pensions. Of like twenty employees for five <laughs> weeks, yeah. you know, it's like a tiny drop in the bucket compared to DM's overall liabilities. I think. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Fair enough. So much like Megatron, they find themselves outgunned and enraged in a world that does not understand or accept them, and filled with a hatred for all things that have struck them down in the past. In a world that does not understand or accept them. In, in a the- world of imports and hybrids, one hatchback. Um, so who exactly are the fallen in Transformers 2 Revenge of the Fallen? Like the Decepticons? Oh, yeah, the villains from the first movie who come back. <laughs> That's all it is. It's I thought they, like, it's- didn't they blow up Megatron? Is Megatron back? I, I think so. He's on the poster. <laughs> right? Dude. Or is that a different is that a different nondescript robot? I can Mike, I hate the ro- design of the robots in these movies because you can't tell which one is which. Well, you um, can't tell what's going on in one of these yeah. movies. I mean, and it's a lot of, you know, I think we enjoy these movies and we were talking about that's the, I, you know, that's the reason why we don't do criticism, which is something that we were talking about before tonight, but like uh, cuz we like this. We like going 
to the movies and we like having an awesome time with a awesome thing that is cool but like very often these movies are like visual gibberish you don't know what the hell is going on there's a cut three times a second you know and, the- and as we mentioned before the soundtrack sounds like Shia LaBeouf moving a filing cabinet down a flight of stairs <laughs> <laughs> like, jump, 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 jump. oh crap oh no jump, 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 jump. get out of here get out of here that's an Eddie Murphy that's an Eddie Murphy routine isn't it he was talking about his uh, his grandmother falling down a flight of stairs and remarking on how long it took for her to get to the bottom <laughs> and how she would call out in the middle and it was like oh lord Jesus help me help me Jesus oh my goodness I'm falling down oh help me God oh my goodness okay halfway down now I'm falling down so this website says the Fallen are actually a third set of robots, and that I was mistaken. And in fact, the Autobots and the Decepticons have to team up to fight the Fallen. See, or I, figured, something else. I figured that'd be it. I figured the Fallen, even by, by Michael Bay movie standards, was a slightly too pretentious name to apply to the villains from the first movie, whom we all know the names of anyway. Right, right, right. Like, yeah, no, it would be like the Honored Dead or something. <laughs> I don't know though Michael Bay is no stranger to uh, pretension as Nicolas Cage said to Sean Connery in The Rock the minute you don't respect this it kills you <laughs> <laughs> or are you talking about like the broad cinematic previews and trailers to Pearl Harbor which convinced us that it was an epic love story spanning thousands of miles instead of a two and a half hour honking piece of car garbage <laughs> it really was a piece of garbage and it had that the worst was, uh, it had the worst return of the king syndrome where oh, you know yeah the movie ended and then <laughs> there was like another 50 minutes of it all the michael Bay movies are like that bad boys <laughs> 2 is, is actually like that a lot which is awful where like they solve the main plot of the movie and then they're like hey let's have an informal unapproved unsanctioned invasion of cuba for no reason and then they go to cuba and they like have a 45 minute like car rolling down a hill sequence it's ridiculous. <laughs> well, like a 45-minute car uh, rolling down the hill, our podcast has rolled down the hill of <laughs> the, first, the first two months of the summer, May and June. Those are the movies. Uh, parting but, but thoughts? Matt, parting thoughts, Matt, guys? Yeah. Matt, 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 Matt well, what if I want to find out about movies that are coming come out in July and August? What should I do? Well, you should sit tight, Pete. Because closer to July or August, we'll record another episode of the podcast where we, yep, where we will overthink all your upcoming summer movie, uh, you know, coming soon, soon to be released movies. That sounds awesome. Without yeah, no, sorry, that, 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 yeah, that uh, sentence just lost momentum somewhere in the middle, didn't it? I think you have a problem with Joe Boo. I think uh, you need to get Joe Boo off of your bat so you can swing a little bit harder at those. <laughs> Uh, in the I meantime, have one last thought, yeah. oh, yeah. last thought to with, with regards to Transformers, and uh, it's the first line of the original one, which just since you know, the, basically, my way of saying that Transformers lost me, uh, the franchise has lost me from the first line, and and let me remind you what that first line was: it's the voice of Optimus Prime saying, "Before time began, there was the Cube." <laughs> <laughs> I heard that line. I was like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> so that's that's, that's, no, that's, that's vaguely platonic, right? That it's about uh, 
you know, the forms kind of existing in the mind of God. Which I, the idea is that the robots of the Transformers existed before time, which is certainly a plausible outlook if for people who are currently 14 or 15 years old, right? Which is that, like, Optimus Prime pre-exists the universe that they know of. Uh, <laughs> or just right? the random shit that Michael Bay came up with. <laughs> <laughs> that or something else, yeah. Well, you know, most things pre-exist the universe that a 14-year-old knows of. True, true. You know? True. True. Uh, well, if you would like to tell us what you think about our overthinking, or you have some overthinking of your own to contribute, remember you can email podcast at overthinkingit.com or call the voicemail at 20 eat log zero one. That's 203-285-6401. Make sure to leave your name and tell us where you're calling from. Uh, there's still time to get on the website and, um, and enter the cliche Mageddon uh, summer movie season beginning contest where you create your own witty action movie taglines. And the best ones of those are going to be posted on the site on Friday. And uh, someone remind me what the date is on Friday, April something something, or May something something. May first, right? Yeah, May first. Isn't that because May? Of Wolverine's coming. Excuse me, X Men Origins. Wolverine is coming out. Right. Yeah, it's Wolverine Day. Also May Day, isn't it? Yes, that's correct. Both and so, for dancing around the pole and for being a communist. Right. Exactly. When you're not <laughs> dancing around the pole. Uh, you know, you can uh, log on to Overthinking It and read the winners of the May Day uh, Cliche Mageddon results show. And always visit us on the web at www.overthinkingit.com, the site where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it, it probably, probably doesn't, doesn't deserve. deserve. We can't stop it! Ah, get out of the way! Bump, 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 bump